Welcome to the Mind Meets Body podcast, a space dedicated to real health conversations with a dose of self-compassion, curiosity, and imperfection. Join me, Maria Sosa of Holistically Grace, as we take a deep dive into redefining and exploring health through the mind and body. On today's show, I've got Jessica Lanyado, astrologer, psychic medium, and author of Astrology for Real Relationships, Understanding You, Me, and How We All Get Along. Welcome to the show, Jessica. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to, to be here and get to talk to you. Me too. So I've got a little personal story to share to begin with, because I think this is kind of where my whole passion and kind of curiosity with astrology began. And I think I was about six years old. And that was the time when television, actually, that's probably much later than that. But what I remember, you know, all the tarot card readings and psychic readings were coming on and the 1-800s were coming on the television. And at six years old, definitely not supposed to be doing this, but calling the psychic hotlines and, you know, 99 cents a minute that would cost your parents a lot of money. It was a mess. It was a mess. And they, I don't know if they ever found out that it was me. So mom and dad, if you're listening to this, it was definitely me calling the psychic hotline. So I just kind of wanted to know what attracted you to astrology and kind of going down this path. Um, I, I've always been interested in astrology. I've always been, I mean, when I was really, really little, I think I was like also six years old. I remember thinking, well, I'm a Capricorn, so I'm going to keep my wisdom teeth. And I have no idea how I knew that Capricorn is the sign associated with teeth and bones. There's no way I could have learned that because that's like advanced medical astrology knowledge, but I was right. And also 45 years old and I still have all my wisdom teeth, knock on wood. Uh, So yeah, so I've always had an interest in it. And then for my 12th birthday, my mom bought me like this uh, supermarket big book on Capricorn and I read it over and over and over again through my teen years until I went to, uh, I went to an alternative college. I'm from Quebec, so it's uh, CJAP. And I went to an alternative CJAP and there was an introduction to astrology from a Jungian perspective um, taught there. And I took that course and I was like, oh, this is what I'm going to do with my life. And I'm going to move to San Francisco and I'm going to pursue it because at that time in the early 1990s, um, San Francisco was the only place in North America that you could conceivably find other astrologers, potentially make a living as an astrologer. So that's what I did. I, you know, when I was 19 years old in 1994, I just packed a suitcase and well, I'm exaggerating. It was a backpack. It was a big backpack, but it was definitely not a suitcase. I packed my my backpack and I full of mainly astrology books and I moved to San Francisco and I've just never, never looked back. And I went full time in at the end of 1999. And so this has been um, having a consulting practice has been my full time living since, yeah, since early 2020 or the end of 99. I'm a Capricorn as well. So I was listening to you and I was like, oh, I think this is meant to be. (laughs) Uh Yeah, we are practical if we are nothing else. Yes. (laughs) Oh, I love that. I love that. So I recently came across an article on HuffPost talking about the cross-section of licensed mental health practitioners incorporating tarot card readings into their sessions. I don't know much about, you know, tarot card readings and astrology and how they all kind of align, but just kind of wanted to get your take on why you think that people 
are also incorporating that into their mental health practice. So I have heard that for a number of years, actually, from my clients telling me that they will often tell me that their therapists use astrology or tarot. And I have mixed feelings about it, honestly. I think kind of to answer your question on one level, part of the reason why practitioners are doing it is because they want to. It's because there, there is a limitation of conventional psychology um, and an old guard of what is taught. Um, and I think so many practitioners are seeing that they want to be able to help their patients and understanding that there are more tools in the shed and they feel limited that they're not using those tools. And so I think that by turning to um, astrology or tarot, they see kind of like uh, greater resources and they want to use them. I also think there is uh, pressure from patients to use these tools because people are using these tools in their own self-management, their own self-care. And so they're wanting to share that with their, um, with their therapists. I have so many clients who are therapists, so very many. Um, and, and they, because it is a, a population who's oriented to think deeply about the human experience, of course you would be interested in exploring multiple tools and modalities for doing that. Um, so that's one layer. Now, the other layer for me um, is something that people are used to hearing psychologists say about astrologers, but not astrologers say about psychologists. But in order to be an astrologer or a skilled tarot reader, that needs to be something you study and practice over the course of years. And my concern is that therapists are like, well, these things aren't really that important or those things aren't really deep. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a psychologist, so I should know. And they are not skilled enough to be doing it professionally necessarily. And the problem is whether we're talking about tarot or astrology, there's learning the data, which takes study and time and practice, but then there's interpreting or synthesizing the data you are shown. And that synthesis can be done through projection and Mm -hmm. opinion in some ways more than other things, because there's not as structured, uh, there's not this like singular structured way. It's like, if you want to become a licensed therapist, you know, anywhere in the United States, you have to do certain things. And then there's like state, state boards, but then there's also just like, you know, an agreed upon set of who you study, how you study, what you, what you get tested on. With astrology and trope, there is not that. Mm-hmm. And so it opens up for, uh, yeah, just like I said, projection um, and opinion. And I, I am very concerned about that. And because this is my life's work um, that I have studied for many years and I take very seriously, I worry whenever anyone, whether it's a therapist or not, just takes it up after using it for their personal use and starts using it with patients. Uh, So, you know, I have mixed feelings about it, honestly. Um, And I think anything we do with our, our patients or our clients needs to be as objective and boundaried as possible. And that takes skill and it takes practice. So you bring up a really great point of this idea of having more tools in, in that toolbox. And it is some of the things that I think about in therapy as well. It is okay. So we have this that we have been taught, but I don't think that it works for everybody, right? I don't think that the therapy tools that we have are one size fits all. And sometimes it takes some creativity to kind of understand that person's world and understand where they're coming from and what they feel comfortable with. And I think that for many therapists, it may be kind of like 
using or pulling a card as a form of inspiration or kind of opening up that conversation. If it's being used in that way, rather than I'm going to tell you or interpret what this means to you, what do you think about that? Again, it takes skill. And so my worry with that is, and this is going to seem like a weird tangent, but have you ever seen a top model, that top model show with Tyra Banks? Is that what it's called? Top model? Yeah. Yes. Yes. And she always said, I mean, I haven't watched that show in many, many years, but I remember she always said, being a pretty girl does not mean you can be a model. Um, and I want to say <laughs> similarly, okay. being able to read tarot cards for yourself as your own tool for self-understanding and self-healing is not equal to being able to read for others. Mm -hmm. And, you know, people misunderstand what the word reading means. I'm putting little air quotes on it right now, mm -hmm. uh, is a reading is interpreting the card. So whether you're doing it for a meditative reason or a hard predictive reason, it's still a reading and it still takes, um, the ability to synthesize what you're shown. And it takes understanding the symbols. If I had a penny for how many times in, even in the last 12 months, people have been like, oh yeah, I know X means Y with either astrology or tarot, and they were completely wrong and off base, I would have many, many dollars, many, many dollars. People um, don't understand necessarily, and I'm not saying all people don't understand, but, it, but I'm picky about this. Like, I don't want, I don't want to consult with a mechanic who hasn't worked on my car before and hasn't worked on many of my cars before. I don't want to consult with a therapist who I don't have a lot of confidence in and I don't want to consult with an astrologer who isn't practiced or a tarot reader who isn't practiced in reading for other people, not just for themselves. And this is where we get into something a little sticky, which is because there is so much stigma against uh, astrology and tarot, and I, and I should say just for the record, they are completely different things. I just about to ask things. you. Yeah. They're, they're <laughs> radically different things. Um, they have nothing to do with each other inherently, mm -hmm. except many tarot cards will have astrology symbols on them, um, which not all tarot cards though, um, but many tarot cards do. And then there is like, uh, they're kind of like calling in astrological elements, but these systems are utterly unconnected. Um, so that all said, the thing that's sticky in all this is so many people are a fan of astrology or a fan of tarot and they love it and they use it and they seek guidance from it and they get value from it. But there is an inherent disrespect of it because of the stigma. People say, oh, I read my horoscope, but it doesn't matter. I don't really believe in this stuff. People do this thing where they really um, are like, well, I'm a therapist and I happen to use this tool, but it's very important for them to lead with, I'm a therapist. Many of my clients who come to, who've been coming to me for over a decade will say, oh, I'm a therapist. You're an astrologer. Just to make sure that everyone knows who's, who's respectable and who's not here, even though they you know, get meaningful counsel from me based life decisions on our conversations. And this is a socially acceptable, deeply uh, subtle, but foundational <laughs> disrespect of this stuff that ultimately comes from institutionalized religion, needing control over our individual relationship to divinity, in my view. Mm -hmm. That said, um, I, because I see this and I've seen this, you know, I've been a practitioner for 25 years. I've seen this over and over again in a million different ways. And I don't think it's conscious from people, but inherent in all of this is the problem of if you haven't studied, if you haven't trained, 
and you're using it professionally, that betrays some measure of misunderstanding of the tool you're using or disrespect of the veracity and the validity of the tool itself. And, or arrogance, I guess. But I, I tend to think it's more of a misunderstanding. And I think that um, it's, it's something that is kind of hard to talk about because it sounds like I'm kind of like poo-pooing on people or like, you know, criticizing them. I, I don't mean it in that way. I just, it's really important that we learn the tools that we're using and we don't practice on people who are perceiving you to be uh, like a guide, you know? Mm -hmm. and, and that's not what happens in today's world. I, you know, that's just not what happens in today's world. Mm-hmm. And I think there's pros to that actually, but I, but we are talking, we are in this moment talking about the cons. Yeah. Um, so, so I have a mixed feeling about it. I'm not against it. I just, I, I know I'm saying everything that is the parts of me that are against it. I mean, I'm excited that it's being incorporated into the world. It's just that, again, I am concerned that people doing that incorporation don't necessarily have training. Um, and that's a problem. Completely understand. Yeah. So yeah. you have written for various publications. I believe it was Glamour, Refinery29, you know, a bunch of uh, amazing places. Question in terms of how you write a horoscope for a publication and what it would be like to get a personalized reading, you know, because a lot of people would say, well, that's just like what you said recently, you know, that's my horoscope, but it's just in a magazine, so it doesn't matter. Kind of walk me through what that's like. Sure. So sun sign astrology, which is what you're talking about, it's horoscopes mm -hmm. you would read in a newspaper or, or an online publication. That's the most generalized form of astrology. Um, it's pop astrology. And in the world of astrologers, like in the astrologers community, it is not highly regarded a charats girl. Okay. Um, it is, you know, uh, kind of like an access and entry point. So it is not serious astrology. And, mm -hmm. and you know, in my horoscopes, I, I've been writing a weekly horoscope since 2003. Um, and I have, uh, I think, three different monthly horoscopes that I create right now. Plus I do, um, it, it's not a sun sign horoscope on my podcast, but I do do like a, a weekly horoscope on my podcast as well. Um, so with, with the four things I create that are sun sign astrology, they are the way that I, I mean, whenever people ask me how to, um, how I do it, it's kind of like, it's more technical of an answer than you think it would be. So it's a little bit tricky, especially if your listenership is like very new to astrology, but basically the way that one creates a horoscope, um, a sun sign astrology horoscope is by looking at, um, the, the weekly transits. Astrology is just a lot of math. TBH. It's like people don't, again, don't expect that of astrology, but basically what, I mean, I'm not sure how technical you want me to get. It would take a couple of minutes for me to like break it down, but it's quite a technical answer. Do you want that? Um, I'm kind of going to let you go with it. Okay. I am. See, I'm see how it goes. Okay. <laughs> so, so the way that it goes is this. So with astrology, all 12 of the, the zodiac signs that you've heard of, they're broken into 30 degrees each. So zero degrees till 29 degrees and 59 minutes per sign. And what what we do when we are looking at the planetary movement through the zodiac signs is we see the planets moving in through the sky. You know, this is like an astronomical tool. We see them moving through each degree, each zodiacal degree. And when the primary uh, aspects that we work with, just basic geometry, they're, they're called trines, oppositions, sextiles, squares, and conjunctions. And what they refer to is 120 degree angle, 180 degree, 60 degree, 90 degree, and a zero degree angle. 
and we use a seven degree orb. And so when I am looking at the weekly transits, what I am looking at is the, the transits that are happening in the sky. So basically the, the mathematical relationship between planets in the sky and how it directly impacts people who have sun in Aries, sun in Taurus, et cetera, et cetera. And so what I do is I write something that I hope is actionable and supportive and constructive. Um, and based on all of those trends now, like I said, this is highly generalized. The reason why it's generalized is because when an astrologer looks at a birth chart, what we are looking at is 10 planets, several points, um, asteroids and other things. Um, and we are looking at something that is highly personalized to you based on not only your date of birth, but also your place of birth, AKA your latitude and longitude on this earth when you were born and the exact minute that you were born. And what that does is it tells us which zodiacal sign uh, was rising in the Eastern Hemisphere at the exact moment and location of your birth. And that sets the, the wheel. So essentially, that's where we get the rising sign or the ascendant. It's two names for the same thing. And um, then we can see through the birth chart everything, really, from your grandparents and uh, their class experience, each of them, uh, how their marriage went. We can see your parents and whether or not you were adopted. We can see these things in the birth chart. We can see your dietary nature, like what works for your body, what your body can and can't digest. We can see um, issues related to love and money and work and uh, developmental issues. So whether we're talking about things that happened in your past, things that are going to come in your future, what we cannot see is your free will. What will you choose to do with it all? Because I can hand you a worm and a hook and a pole and a chair and sit you down by the dock of the bay. And you could say, I am a vegan and I'm not doing this. You could say, I love fishing. Cool, cool, cool. Maybe the fates will bring you a fish. Maybe it won't. Maybe you just did it for sport. Maybe you want to have dinner. I don't know. You have free will. And the thing is, is that astrology can describe what we've come here with what we've come here with, the good, the bad, the ugly, but it doesn't tell you what you will choose. It tells you how you are likely to choose based on all of those predispositions. So it's highly personalized and that's why people love it. That's why mm. now people are so excited about pursuing it because it's validating, it's instructive, and it, it's, a, it's both spiritual, but it's also quite practical if it's used properly by a skilled practitioner, right? So that, that's my, that's the quickest way I can describe it all. <laughs> I love that because you also said, the work I do is not fortune telling. My goal is to counsel you towards greater insight and help you cultivate strategies that help you find yourself or, you know, kind yep. of seek that. And I think that, you know, that's kind of very therapeutic, right? Yes. You know, yes. like if you, if you break it down to what that is, that is insight, that is looking inward. And yeah. I think that the core of that is, you know, that's where my head is at most always, of the time. Always, always. Right? Yeah, I almost became a therapist. I like was like, oh, should I do this at a certain point? Because I realized my work was so psychodynamic. You know, mm -hmm. I'm really interested in, in rooting through childhood trauma issues and inherited issues and seeing kind of the interconnectedness of those things um, and helping people like to by empowering them from where they start. I have a very harm reduction um, 
approach to astrology and to counseling. But the reason why I decided not to become a therapist, other than I didn't want a life of debt and I dislike school, um, is because- Thank uh, you. You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, it's because of the limitations that are placed upon practitioners. And I think those limitations are valuable. I like those limitations in some ways as a user, like as a person who I love having a therapist. Um, but I, I really like the flexibility of my role. Um, and I can pivot how I work in a way that, you know, because I'm not a licensed therapist, like I don't have to check in with anyone, you know, and that's, I really quite enjoy that. So anyways, yeah, that's, those are my hot takes. I love it. I love it. So new book, absolutely love it. Uh, it is Astrology for Real Relationships. And obviously relationships aren't just those romantic ones. So you have a take on family relationships, you have a take on friendships and kind of all those ships that we need in our life. Tell me a little bit about how these relationships differ in terms of astrology and how astrology can kind of lead the way on those. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a, they differ in so many ways. And when I, in the book where I'm referring to just for listeners, uh, chosen family, it's not um, like your babies. It's your friends and your community that you develop as family, as an adult, right? Um, so, so they're very different. Uh, in part, what I wanted to do is to create a book, an astrology book that was a resource that encompassed modern ways of relating. So I include queer people, um, gender queer people, um, people with various ability levels. Um, when I look at relationships, I am looking at all stages of relationship because most astrology books, I don't know if you've ever messed with astrology books, but they're just like, they're like an Aries man is this and an Aries woman is that. But there are more than two genders. Mm -hmm. And those assumptions are based on old school, very limited ways uh, that women and men are allowed to be. And I stand opposed to that. I say, you know, I, I'm not bossy. I'm a boss, you know, and I don't want to ever be told that, you know, because I'm a Capricorn woman, I'm bossy. No, honey, 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 I'm the boss. So I think like there's a way of expanding our understanding of what women are capable of, um, of what gender is. And under, within that, inevitably, the role of community becomes bigger and the acknowledgement of most people turn to astrology because they're like dating someone and they're like, is it going to work? Right. And so the, the center section of the book, the, the, there's three separate sections and that center section is about what I call TBD dating. I don't call it that in the book, but like when you're like, I'm not sure if I actually like this person. I'm not sure if they like me. It's the first three to six months and you're not sure if it's a real relationship yet. Um, or people that you know you don't want to be with long-term, but you're, you're hooking up with them. You're hanging out with them. I mean, this is more and more happening in part because women don't feel as much pressure to get married or have kids as young. And I think also in part uh, because we're more separate now. You know, we're more separate. We have more, we have too many options. And so within that, you know, it's, it's, it's harder to commit. It's harder to make choices. And so um, the way these relationships, friendships, chosen family, and then the people we're hooking up with or first getting to know, the way they function is really different than our long-term committed partners, because those people ideally are our best friends. We've already chosen to be best friends with them. We've already chosen to have sex with them. 
we've already like established intimacy and commitment and agreement around those things. I mean, doesn't mean it's working, but you know, that's its own thing. But then friendship, platonic love takes different parts of ourselves and it takes certain values to continue to prioritize those things, even when you are in a relationship. And then early stages of dating, it engages our scarcity issues. It engages all kinds of things. It requires a different level of honesty and emotional presence from us and not more or less, but different, right? Than our friendships and our primary partnerships. And, you know, again, within the book, I do not function off of the assumption that all partnerships are monogamous um, or only between two people. You know, I think I just really like to hold space for the choices we have around how to live, because I think that um, the best way to make the best choices for ourselves is to recognize that we have a choice, you know, mm -hmm. and a big part of what inspired me to write this book, I mean, millions of things actually inspired me to write this book, but, you know, I noticed after the course of many, many years of counseling people that when straight women would come into my office and they would say, I want to get married and have kids, you know, when's that going to happen? And I would say to them, why? Why do you want to get married? Why do you want kids? Are you sure you want kids? I'll tell you more than half of them. I was the first person to ever ask them that question. They had never stopped to ask themselves that question. And I can promise you that women who have been married for many years and they're already married and they already have kids, they ask them, themselves that question after the fact. You know, mm -hmm. the truth is the more agency we have, the more openness we have around how we regard our options, the better choices we can make, you know, and that's a big part of what motivates me in my, in my counseling work. Yeah. And that kind of goes into perfectly into my next question, which is uncovering and getting what you really want in a relationship and not what you think you should want, right? Because we have yeah. all these ideas about what should be. You just covered that. And I remember growing up telling my parents, I don't want to get married and I don't want to have kids, right? So I got married, but I'm still sticking with it. I don't want to have kids. I have three stepkids. So that kind of plays yeah, that's into that. Great. That's a lot of kids. That's a right? lot of stepkids. Yes. Yeah. But kind of this idea of that free will, going back to these are all the things that are set for you, but what are you going to do with that? And that free will comes into play. And I, and I love that idea. And I think that a lot of people don't get that from astrology or from, you know, all these, what many would call woo woo, because mm -hmm. they see it more as a fortune telling kind mm -hmm. of thing, right? You're just going to yeah. tell me what I'm supposed to do or what I'm supposed to be doing. And in that telling me, you're going to create my reality. Cause that's also mm -hmm. another thing, right? If you put this idea into somebody's head, then does that mean that you had it to begin with or that you kind of made it come to fruition? It's yeah, it's, it's, there are very limited times where I think prediction is useful honestly, mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, you have choices and they're your choices to make. You know, when people come in and another really common thing people ask me is, well, so-and-so come back to me. What is so-and-so thinking about me? Um, and my question, my answer to the question, will so-and-so come back to me is always the same. It's why do you want them back? Do you think your life would be better? What do you think is different now that you want them back? And those questions uh, I should say that I really frustrate people who want a fortune teller because I am nobody's fortune teller. Um, but I, I think that those questions are essential to living a life that you feel comfortable with, you know, being willing to, to look at, are you trying to get away from pain or are you trying to 
really create something because a lot of times with breakups, we're in so much pain and we don't know how to tolerate it. And so what we try to do is go back to the last time we weren't in pain, but that doesn't work. You know, we don't go back. People change, things change. You know, you stand in one place long enough and the seasons will change around you and it's a new place. And I think that this is a really important thing that people don't understand about astrology is that astrology describes your seasons and it describes what you got in your bag and that you can pull out to cope with those seasons. But it doesn't, it doesn't, it's not fortune telling. I mean, I suppose it can be used in that way. Um, I don't know anyone who does, who is, I know beginners who do, but I don't know any, any real astrologers who do use it in that way. It's to me, it is not um, in conflict with psychology science or religion. Mm -hmm. um, it can be a companion to all of those things. Um, my partner was raised very religious and a couple of years into our relationship when I said to him, well, you know that the three wise men weren't actually looking at the stars. They were astrologers. His mind was blown. He was like, how is this even possible? I was like, well, what did you think? You thought they were just like looking up at the sky? They were astrologers. They were foretelling of a birth. It was a birth chart. Um, you know, astrology has been around before Christianity because the humans have been looking to the stars for answers because it is a, in my view, a matter of true hubris to imagine that we are separate from the earth that we exist upon. You know, we are interconnected with all things. And we are seeing that with the global, with global uh, climate crisis, right? We are interconnected with all things. And I think that that's a really important uh, part of our society's rejection of anything that is earth-based or astrology, which is, you know, based in the stars. Um, why are we separate from this earth? Why are we separate from our solar system? How is that possible? Mm -hmm. You know, to each their own. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. I love that. I'm shaking and nodding my head away. Yay. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so you mentioned something that kind of caught my attention. It's, you know, you have these tools, right? And some of these tools may be compatible with somebody else. And some of these tools may kind of repel. So quick question about, you know, that affinity towards certain people and kind of repelling others. Mm -hmm. And you mean like around the woo stuff specifically? Um, I don't know. I'm kind of just thinking, I mean, I guess it could be broken down into that. But, you know, if you look at what you were saying about the birth charts, and these are the things that you have in your toolbox, right? Are some of these toolbox more useful for these kinds of... Oh, I see what you mean. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, of course. Yes. Um, so the birth chart describes your nature. Mm -hmm. It also describes what triggers you, repels you, turns you off, offends you. Right. It also describes what attracts you, what lulls you into complacency, what pleases you, what delights you. Mm -hmm. um, it describes all of it. And this is why when people come in, and again, I am nobody's idea of a fortune teller. When people come into my office or they write me questions for my podcast and they ask me to look at someone else's birth chart, unless the welfare of a child is involved, I always say no um, as a starting point because the, the re and, and I, I'm talking about impersonal relationships, business relationships are different, um, but the answers to your relationship problems are in your birth chart because they're your problems. People want to say, I'm in a relationship with this boy and this boy is hurting my feelings and he keeps on being so rude to me. Look at his chart and tell me why. 
it's like, uh, uh-uh, uh, honey, I want to look at your chart and see why you're staying with a rude man. What you think is going to change by talking to an astrologer. Mm-hmm. When people come in and they want me to like psychically read or astrologically read their partner, I always say to them, if you can't ask your partner what they're thinking or what their motive is, that's your problem. And the problem won't be, you can't sidestep your problems by having a psychic or an astrologer tell you what someone else is thinking. That's a workaround that will only greet you with walls. You know, there is no, it's, and I think similarly for therapists, it's like, we don't get to, you as a therapist don't get to therapize your partner. Your best friend is not your client. That's your friend. And roles are really important. When we take responsibility for our own selves, then we understand that it's our job to manage our choices. So that stupid boy who's being mean to you all the time, he's a stupid boy who's mean. Break up with him. Or advocate for yourself and let him know that you think it's stupid and mean. See if he changes. But getting a reading about what childhood trauma made him a stupid boy who's mean that's not going to help you. It's not going to help him. It just means you're stuck. Cognitive understanding, and this is where I'm clearly not a therapist, but (laughs) cognitive understanding is not equal to emotional integration. And emotional integration is essential to actualization. And this again is where I kind of, this is where I depart from therapists because I, I think that psychology is one essential piece. It's a central, essential piece, but it's only one without emotional intelligence, in addition to psychological intelligence, we cannot be spiritually actualized. And if we cannot be spiritually actualized, then it's blah, 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 word, 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 and not, I understand it, I accept it, and I've changed my life or myself in response to it so that I can be a new way or I can be more whole with myself around it or alongside it. Um, so emotional integration is a huge part of, of what my work is focused towards. Um, and it is like cultivating emotional maturity is a, a big part of what I think is, is foundational to spiritual maturity, which is what I think is kind of essential for peace in your own skin. So I've taken us off on a tangent, but there we went. There we went. I think it was a great tangent because it, and you know, just listening to you, I'm just like, yes, again, this makes so much sense, right? That's it does what it. I, <laughs> I agree. I make sense. <laughs> Good. I'm, I'm glad we agree on this. Yeah, so one of the last things that I wanted to touch upon is self-care. It's one of the things that I really like to advocate for. Kind of curious as to how we can use astrology for our self-care. Mm, God, limitless ways, mm. limitless ways. They're coming back to this idea that I referred to earlier around like seasons. In astrology, we can look at something called transits, which is, I talked about it in the context of horoscopes, right? But each individual person goes through different transits. Some transits are age specific. So everyone around the age of 29, the age of 21, the age of like 42 goes through the same transit. Then there's other transits that happen to everyone, but at different ages. And there's a third category of transits and they are unique to you. And not everybody goes through them in a lifetime. And understanding what transits you're going through uh, requires you to either uh, competently understand astrology, learn astrology, which honestly takes many years of study, or consulting a reputable astrologer, one or the other. And when you understand the transits that you're going through, you can understand what season you're in. 
because some seasons are Saturnian and a Saturn season is a time where you are reaping what you've sown, what you've sown. You're not sowing, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's not a time for writing that novel. It's a time for editing your novel. It's not a time for meeting new people. It's a time to go within. And so it often coincides with periods of depressiveness or depression if you have that predisposition. And understanding that that is a part of the human evolution and human development and accepting it allows you to work with it instead of work against it. And I'm sure you see this in, in your work as well. People work against their situation and it actually prolongs their suffering. And so my, the, the greatest way to use astrology, um, it, it is to understand the season that you're in and to choose to work with it, to maximize its potential and to give yourself permission to have time for it all. Um, because we're not always in lovely transits. Life isn't always lovely. Um, and, you know, the kind of like Buddhist concept of non-attachment, it's not about not having chaotic emotions or upset emotions or angry thoughts. It's about not attaching to those things. I myself, am not Buddhist, so I'm not like advocating for it one way or another, but non-attachment is a big part of, of my work because when we don't attach to our emotions or even our thoughts, but we can instead be present for them without seizing on them, then we can better understand them and actually respond with intention to them. And uh, astrology, if used in that way, is uh, really one of the greatest resources I am aware of for um, timing that and um, giving you context and then setting you on your way to go do the work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that, Jessica. I really Thank do. Thank you so much. I would love to send people your way. Let me know how to contact you, how to reach you, where we can find your book so that sure. we can hear more from you. Thank you. Okay. So um, it's not possible to get an appointment with me right now because I'm all booked up and have a massive waiting list. Um, but I have, um, oh, sorry, there's Oh, sorry. It's this cutest little bird on the tree right outside of my window. And I've never seen a bird do what it's doing. So I just got thrown off base. I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, so, uh, so you can't get an appointment with me. However, I do have a weekly, uh, I do have a podcast that comes out twice a week, starting this week, actually. And on Sundays, I drop an episode where I answer a listener question. And so um, you can get a free reading from me that way by sending a question to me at ghost of a podcast. Com. My podcast is called Ghost of a Podcast, uh, and it can be heard everywhere that podcasts are heard. And my book, Astrology for Real Relationships, can be bought pretty much anywhere. And if your local bookstore doesn't have it, you can just ask them to order it. Um, but, and you know, if you're going to buy my book, please buy my book, uh, support your local bookstore, shop small, sm shop local, especially in these crazy times, you know, support your local bookstore. Um, I'm on the intranet and I have, like I said, weekly and monthly horoscopes. And that's in addition to my horoscope on my podcast. And they're all different. Um, but they're all on my website at lovelinato.com. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Jessica Lignato. My name's impossible to spell, so best of luck finding me. Uh, but I'm guessing you're going to put in the show notes for the people. I am. I okay, am. Cool, cool, cool. It'll be in the show notes. It'll be in the This show is notes. the problem with being an older person because I, you know, started my website. It was the 90s. And so I was like, I'll just name it after my last name, not thinking I had no idea what SEO was. So that was a mistake <laughs> I made. Learn from me, whippersnappers. Don't do what I did. Uh, that's <laughs> uh, <laughs> real talk. 
I love it. I love it. Thank you so much, Jessica. This was so insightful. Really appreciate all the tools and all the things that you provided today. You are lovely. And thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I've had such a great time. Thanks for having me. Oops. Thanks. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to the Mind Meets Body podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to hit the subscribe button below. If you're looking for more things Holistically Grace, check out my Instagram at Holistically Grace and my website, www.holisticallygrace.com. Please be mindful that the conversations found on the podcast are for educational purposes only. They're not meant to diagnose, treat, or replace the personalized care provided by a trained professional. In fact, it is my hope that these topics encourage you to reach out and seek help. No shame attached. Until next time, friends, stay compassionate.